Welcome to episode 15 of Achieving Fitness, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be covering our favorite apps for managing a small business, why strength training is important for runners, the best training protocols for break dancers, and how we justify, quote unquote, giving it all away on Instagram. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. All right, we just had our fifth year anniversary party. It was a rager. <laughs> we had a hundred people show up. I think we, I think the people were there until about twelve thirty. Like thirty five people were there until twelve thirty uh, in the night. morning. Yeah, in the yeah. morning. And it, was, it was quite the uh, event, but we had a lot of fun. Um, we also posted a recap video of the last five years, kind of like a slideshow slash video like montage of the last five years. So if you haven't checked that out, check out our YouTube page. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to make it actually, like looking back at all those old pictures and the early days, it's kind of crazy to think back on and realize that it's been five years. It's it's insane. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of good memories and, you know, we're always trying to look ahead, but sometimes it's cool to look back and put things in perspective on how far we've come. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So we are going to get right into the show today. We got four questions for you. And the first one comes from one of my very best friends. She's my maid of honor in my wedding, um, (laughs) Heather D'Amico. Oh, no, she's not even D'Amico anymore. She's Heather Chisholm. I still, you know, when your friends get married and they change their name, like, you're going to always know them as yeah. their, their maiden name. It's just hard to change. Um, anyway, so she asked, what is your favorite or newly discovered app or digital tool that helps you manage your small business? Um, so I, I would say we probably have two. Um, one of them is just like a, a scheduling app. It depends on what kind of small business you're running, but having some sort of app that helps you manage schedule and manage, um, like billing and everything all in one place. Um, so we use mind body. Uh, we've been using that since the very beginning. So it schedules sessions in the gym. It also does all of our business. I mean, all of our, um, billing and processing for contracts. So it kind of all goes through on auto pay, which is so, so helpful. Um, and yeah, it just gives, it puts everything in one spot. It also, for every client that you have, it gives, you can put as much information in there as you want. For them. Yeah, you can pull together reports pretty easily and just have a, just a general understanding of what is coming in, going out, things like that. So um, that's pretty good baseline software uh, to use. Yeah, so really like that one. And then um, more recently discovered is Canva. It's C-A-N-V-A uh, dot com. And that is what I use for all of our like infographics for the covers of our Instagram posts and like our Instagram stories and YouTube cover photos yeah thumbnails it's i i always ask more i'm like is this still free because there's so much (laughs) like that you can do with it and so it's just really well put together and really puts um makes it a lot easier to put visually appealing images um together yeah they have a ton of templates it's actually shocking that it's free yeah um there is a paid version but there's not that much that you need usually at least for us that we need out of a paid version so the free version gives you so much there's a bunch of templates but you can also start from scratch which is what i do because i wanted it to be completely customizable to kind of our um look yeah our look but i i mean when i first started out i was like making these kind of things, I was using Photoshop and I'm not a designer and Photoshop was like almost too, it was like too, it could do too much. (laughs) (laughs) And like for what I wanted it to do, it was just like way too overwhelming. So when I switched over to Canva, it was like such a godsend. I was like, this is awesome. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so that has been great just for marketing materials and social media. Yeah. And then, I mean, lastly, 
we um, we also we get questions about all the time about what sort of video editing software we use. Um, currently, we use Adobe Premiere Pro. Um, prior to that, we used iMovie, and I think there's a whole lot of apps out there like InShot and Video Leap that are all free. Adobe Premiere is a paid software, however, um, because it's so customizable, um, because there's so many things that we can do with it, uh, we decided to jump, make the switch to actually go with the paid software. So. Um, if you're looking at making some videos that are a little bit more advanced, Adobe Premiere is definitely going to be your best bet. Cool. I like that Jason says we use Adobe Premiere Pro, but he uses it. <laughs> I, can't, I have no idea how to use that. Yeah, but you use Canva, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. there you go. So we're a good team. Good team. Um, yeah, so hopefully those help. Um, moving on to question number two. We're going to go, this one is for from Nana's for Balance is her uh, Instagram handle name, but we know her name is Jana. Um, she asked, I'm curious how you would explain to runners why strength training is so critical and how to fit it into their run training program, hard run days versus easy days, frequency, etc. I'm a recovering running addict and love lifting now, but have had a hard time convincing my runner friends that it's worth the investment, <laughs> <laughs> which we totally understand because we've dealt with a lot of recovering running addicts. Yeah. <laughs> I was one actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely used to think that that was like the best form of, of, exercise and once you're in that mindset it's very hard to talk somebody out of it yeah and it's and it's obviously a great form of exercise but not the end-all be-all mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean telling a runner not to run or to limit their running that's like i mean that i mean it's, it's like telling them not to breathe yeah it's like <laughs> telling a smoker not to smoke like it's, it's like that level of um i guess addiction to yeah. it they're they're very involved with it um i think the two big I would say kind of like key things that uh, I usually try to relay to runners is injury prevention. I mean, injury prevention is going to be huge, especially because what's the statistic? It's like 80 or 90% of all runners get injured. Yeah. Uh, some staggering in- incidents like that. So most people kind of get into this loop of run, get injured, do some PT, rehab, and then go right back to the same level of running before and then repeat this sort of vicious loop. So um, I think runners are always looking for some sort of prehab or injury prevention techniques and the second thing is i think runners kind of perk their ears up whenever they hear um, other fellow runners who strength train and sort of dominate the hill segment right they just kind of like that's where they really make up their time and i think um that sort of really piques their interest so i always try to throw in something about hills being easier or injury prevention being a um a top Thing that happens as a result of uh, strength training. Yeah, and I mean, we did. Um, we actually teamed up with. Uh, there's a running club in Somerville in our in our hometown um, called Run Fellow, and so I, we actually teamed up with them last year or two years ago, maybe at this point, yeah, um, to do a strength training for runners workshop. And we actually did six weeks um, of strength training where we changed up the workouts like every two weeks, I think, to give some new, just kind of like. I mean, it's very basic beginner strength training routines for these runners who were only pretty much most of them were only running. And from that, we had so many people, first of all, join the gym afterwards because they were like, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize how beneficial this was for my running. I think what happens is a lot of people think that we're if you try to push strength training on them, they think you're trying to replace their running. Yeah. Um, And we definitely don't feel that way. We think that people should run, especially if it brings them joy and happiness and Mm -hmm. um, if they love it. But we do think that there's so much benefit from getting stronger in both injury prevention 
prevention, like Jason said, and in improving their running. We What we did in that group was we did a half hour of strength training followed by about a half hour run. So we actually combined them into one sort of workout. Mm-hmm. And by the end, people, by the end of six weeks, which is not very long in the grand scheme of things, people were already feeling like their running was improving and their time during in that kind of 5K that we were doing was getting faster. Yeah. Um, so that was that direct, like result right there that they can actually see basically it would be a different recommendation for depending on like what volume of running people are looking to keep in and Mm. if they're training for something specific so if they're just a running addict who just likes to run (laughs) we'll probably like lean a little bit more toward adding more strength training in and taking some of those running days out but if they're training for a marathon or they're you know training for an Ironman or triathlon like they have to run they're going to be doing that that's the event that they're training for they have to run we can't take that out of their program but incorporating that strength training in um, is to supplement their running is going to be huge yeah totally Cool. All right. Great question. Let's move on to question number three, which is, um, this one, this one was a funny one cause it's not necessarily something that we know a lot about specifically, specifically yeah. but we, I feel like we could have a pretty good answer to this. So, um, on Instagram, it was PM Raylu asked us, what is the best kind of training for breakdancers? Um, and I thought that was actually a cool question because even though we don't work with a lot of breakdancers, we obviously understand what breakdancing is. <laughs> We've seen it before. Um, and we can get it, we can give kind of a general um, idea of what a strength training protocol should look like uh, for what they need, which is this balance of fluidity, strength, and and mobility like it's this kind of full like well-rounded it's very much like gymnastics where you need this well-rounded balance of all of those things and that's very uncommonly seen in the weight room actually yeah yeah i mean there's there's a lot of parallels with gymnastics with martial arts with any of these sort of like very um kind of like a yeah very fluid movement driven um sports and yeah especially for strength training if you go too far towards the strength training region you end up becoming a little bit more rigid, which is definitely what you don't want um, if you're a breakdancer or a gymnast or whatever it might be. Um, on the flip side, if you're too mobile and you're too loosey-goosey, then you can't stabilize enough to actually perform the moves you're looking for. So um, you're right. It's, it's definitely like this very fine balance of trying to attain all three of those pieces all at once in one program. Yeah. So some things that we would avoid would be Things that require only high tension strategies or high threshold strategies. So what this means is exercises that make you hold your breath or shrug your shoulders or engage your neck. Um, you can kind of start imagining what that might look like, right? With like a, if you're imagining a power lifter with a heavy barbell on their back and they look like their eyes are going to pop out of their head, that's a high threshold strategy. <laughs> they're holding on to a lot of tension and they're not able to breathe and relax through that movement. Um, Instead, what we might like to see would be something like a kettlebell swing. Whereas when you see somebody do a kettlebell swing really well, you see them create, have this moment where they create tension and they snap their hips and then all of a sudden the kettlebell floats and their body looks completely relaxed. And they're having this moment of relaxation. And then as soon as they get ready to swing that kettlebell back through their legs, they're tense again and they have that tension. And they're going back and forth between those two things. That would apply, something like that would apply so much more to a breakdancing move where you have to go from holding yourself up on one hand to then swinging your legs around and being relaxed (laughs) to go to the next movement. Um, So exercises like a swing um when you're once you're more advanced things like olympic lifting would be similar not too like crazy heavy but yeah. um some of the olympic lifting moves what yeah. else would there be? um plyometrics would be mm-hmm. good as well 
And then uh, po- like power lifts and like functional training will also play a huge role because you do need strength in your joints mm-hmm. and in order to get stability. But it's more the way you're trying to go about attaining that strength. And it's not, again, like Lauren said, not about holding your breath and like going crazy high tension just to lift more weights. Um, what you want to think about is that this training is just an enhancer to whatever sport you're trying to do. So if you're a break dancer, it's that's just it's kind of strength training is kind of a means to an end. So you want to think about your squats and your lunges and your push-ups as being as graceful and as fluid as you are during your actual um, sport training, um, and, it, and it applies the same way in the weight room as well. Yeah. And then another aspect of your training would probably be a lot of like isometric holds and things where you're holding a position and breathing through that position. So I'm imagining like hollow holds, for instance, where you're laying on your back and you're um, creating tension through your abdominal region, like you're you're bringing your rib cage and your pelvis toward each other and maintaining that position, but also breathing. So that's creating tension and strength in your abs while also allowing your body to relax and get comfortable in that strong position. Because um, that's where that balance comes in, is that balance of strength. And so not just like, yeah, like Jason said, not just being loosey-goosey and being able to move, but being able to control your strength while also having a zen face and <laughs> having your neck relax and, every, and being able to breathe. Um, so other like, and I think a lot of core exercises that would apply to, um, definitely there's no need to do the kind of like, um, you know, bodybuilder type core exercises like crunches and things like that, where it's just the same like movements over and over again. I think those isometric positioning holds would be actually more beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Lauren mentioned a Zen face and that's a cue that we use with our members, um, up until they're really approaching the heaviest weights that they can handle, we want to see their faces pretty relaxed because we don't want them to recruit excess tension from muscles like your face or your neck, um, things that shouldn't really be tensing up if we're trying to create a very functional, athletic, very fluid, um, movement-driven person. Yeah. 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 So even though neither of us are uh, breakdancers ourselves, <laughs> we, hopefully those tips actually help. Um, and I think they won't only help uh, breakdancers, but also anybody who's trying to do anything that's dance-related or gymnastics-related, um, yoga, you know, any yeah. of those activities where you need that balance of relaxation and tension, I think hopefully those those tips will help. Yeah, and Lauren's selling herself short because she can do a pretty mean worm on the dance floor. Oh, is that considered breakdancing? <laughs> <laughs> that might just Probably be considered like one. bad dancing, but but I do do a pretty mean worm. Um, I can also do that thing where you like spin your leg around and hop over it. Mm, yeah. It's pretty good. I sh- maybe I'll post a video of myself <laughs> doing it on Instagram because I feel like it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, add it to the resume. Okay. All right, moving on. All right, so the last question comes from Belle of the Bar, and she asked, how did you grow your Instagram demographic so far beyond that of your region? Additionally, how do you, how do you justify posting all of that valuable training information on Instagram without feeling like you're, quote-unquote, giving away the farm? Uh, this which is, is a great question. Yeah, this is a great question. And I think a lot of, um, especially experts in whatever field or industry, definitely feel like, and they feel like, when they're posting any sort of information, it's almost like a scarcity mindset where they're like, if I give this away, then people won't come to me for my actual services. And we've actually sort of taken the complete opposite approach of this. And we've found that it's not about the actual like content or information. It's more about the context. So the more information you give away, the more people are going to come to you with, with very specific questions about their certain context, their certain situation, whatever it might be. So 
we think that giving away all the content in the world still won't really matter in the long run. Um, additionally, we think that it's kind of like um, the way we've sort of grown our reach is that we've had this sort of mindset shift in terms of I think some people think of um, the way people should be lucky and honored to have all this information come out from this source. And we've kind of approached it differently. We're, we're thinking that it's we're lucky that people are actually spending one of their most ta- like prized possessions, which is their time with us. So we do anything possible to try to make sure that people understand that we care that they're taking their time to um, look at the, look at our stuff and follow our stuff. So we put like time bars at the end of our Instagram pay, um, Instagram posts. We also put captions so that people don't have to click and you know hear the sounds. Um, we also um, make sure that we make it look aesthetically pleasing. And then probably the biggest point of them all is that we make sure that the content is actually good, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean. I've had this question asked a lot is like, what, like, aren't you afraid of giving away so much information? Mm -hmm. And, and it makes sense. Like it totally makes sense that that's a fear. Um, but yeah, what we've found is that the more information we give away, the more people want to know more. Um, there's no possible way that you can give away everything, you know, in 60 second segments on Instagram. <laughs> There's just no way. Even if you try, we try. Yeah. Like sometimes we're sitting there and we're like, do we have anything new? Like have <laughs> we given it all away? But there's no way you can. And there's also no way that you can touch people in the same way on any social media platform as you can in person. And so as much as we try to, like Jason said, like we try our very best to give as much of ourselves as we can on social media. There's something different when you're face to face with someone that yeah. you can never really replace. And so people will want to, if you, if you're genuine, if you're authentic and if you're giving, you know, just information that's good and valuable away, people are going to want to meet you and they're going to want to learn from you in person. They're going to want to connect with you yeah. in other ways. And that, that's where, that's what you do, right? Those are the services that you're afraid are going to be taken away from you. And actually I think that it really, it makes people want to do them more. Yeah. Information is so commoditized at this point that, there's just people are just overwhelmed with the amount of information that's readily available. And if you want to think about it in terms of if you're not giving the information out there, someone else is and that in your audience or your potential audience will go to them as opposed to you. Yeah. So you might as well give away, quote unquote, the farm. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think you'll have a lot of support because of that. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Good stuff, Jay. <laughs> Christian. <laughs> we never know how to wrap these things up. Um, all right. I guess we'll, we will see you next week. So please send in any questions you have uh, to podcast at AchieveFitnessBoston.com or DM us on Wednesdays. We always post something on Wednesdays for our stories soliciting you guys for questions. So, And then lastly, if you could rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe to us, that would be awesome. Um, I think that's about it. So until next time, peace, love, and and muscles. muscles.